all right. I'm going to welcome all of our campuses, those in Baton Rouge, Gulf Coast, Metairie. Of course, every week, those online that are joining us in Little Creek as well, and also Calvary Chapel, Bay St. Louis. Man, we're so excited to have all of you with us for the sixth week in our series entitled Brave, a study in the book of Daniel. Come on, let's just welcome all those people joining us. Man, it's good to have you guys. So good to have everybody. I trust uh, this has been a helpful series for all of you. Uh, several times a year, I'll teach through a book of the Bible. I'll try to get through as much of it as I can. Uh, once in the fall, always in the spring, and then in the summer, I try to do one as well. Uh, and we chose the book of Daniel. Uh, I, incur- I hope it's been encouraged. Matter of fact, I've gotten some good feedback. Uh, it was, it's a very important book. Now, I want to explain a little bit today. The first portion of the book of Daniel almost reads like a novel in a sense of uh, it's a narrative of Daniel's life. The second half of the book of Daniel, it's filled with dreams and visions, and it would be considered the prophetic part. In other words, it is the part of the book that speaks of things to come. Pastor, why are we teaching through the book of Daniel? Daniel. Two reasons. By the way, uh, we used to hand out notes for a long time. We're not doing that right now in the season. Those online, uh, you do have the notes, but it's important if you want to follow along, uh, you can do that. Some people are bringing their own notes. Two reasons why I believe teaching through the book of Daniel has been important for us. Number one, I said this the first week. I'll say it again as we conclude this week. Daniel's situation is becoming increasingly similar to our own. What do I mean by that? For most of Daniel's life, he lived bravely as a believer in a culture that did not share and reflect his values. Remember, Daniel was a Jewish boy as a teenager. Most theologians believe 15, 16 years old, and he's hanging out after church one day, and here it is, the Babylonian empire comes from the east, and the army takes these young Hebrew boys and brings them back to Babylon. And here it is, he finds himself in a foreign land with a foreign people and foreign customs and a foreign language, worshiping foreign gods. And the question is, how did Daniel not just survive? And by the way, we don't believe that God has called any of us to just survive, but God has called us to thrive. How did Daniel thrive amidst a culture that did not share his values, the study of the book of Daniel is how God equips us. We are not to capitulate to culture. We're not to hide and put our head in the sand and just wait for the rapture, but we are to make a difference in our culture. Daniel made a difference for God in a culture that didn't believe like him. And so can you. And so can I. Number two, the second reason why we are teaching through the book of Daniel, I love this one, is that Daniel's God is our God too. And he's still on the throne. This may, as a matter of fact, be the most important lesson of all the book of Daniel, that God is in charge, that God is in charge of individuals and families and nations. And by the way, he's the God of the past, the present, and the future. And he is still on the throne. God's not freaked out. He's not wigged out. He's not scared. God is on the throne. He's in charge. And by the way, I had a guy tell me this one time. I remember I was a young Christian. He's like, Steve, you can trust God in the future. You can trust God with your future. I said, man, you know, man, I'm a scenario planner. I want to make sure. And he goes, no, you can trust God. Nothing wrong with planning, but you can trust God. And I said, why is that? And he said this real quick. He goes, because God's already been in your future. 
Do you guys know the difference between, here it is, between a travel agent and a tour guide? One books you on a trip and doesn't go. The other one leads you on the path. How many are grateful that God's been our future? Come on, are y'all with me? God's been there. And in the book of Daniel, we see that God was with Daniel and God was speaking to Daniel. God's still on the throne. Now, speaking of shifts, I want to say this. There is a radical shift in this book after chapter 6. And it jumps into the prophetic dimension. Now, I want to say this to all the people that may be checking out Christianity. Maybe you're new in your faith, all right? This is a different message. I taught through the book of Revelation a number of years ago. I've taught through what is called prophetic books, Old Testament and New Testament. This is one of the, considered the most prophetic book. What do I mean by prophetic? What do I mean by that? It is a book that was written to speak to the time in which the writers lived, but also with future implications. Prophecy. So, so the last chapter 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, it's filled with dreams and visions. It's, 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 I mean, it's, it's fantastic. It's exciting. But for, for young Christians and new believers, this may be the first time you've ever heard this. It's, it's, it's a powerful book. By the way, most theologians believe that the book of Daniel is the key to understanding the book of Revelation. You can go online and download all that I've taught through Revelation, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, and the New Testament. And in the Old Testament, I've taught through the book of Daniel six years ago, and it's a powerful book. Now, I did a chart. I want to share this chart that I did a number of years ago. Uh, I drew up this chart, uh, and it helps me, all right, understand the future as I see biblical events. Now, let me say this. I want full disclosure. I want everybody to hear me, everybody online. Full disclosure, all right? Pastors, preachers, and teachers, some have different views. They all believe Jesus is coming back, but some believe Christians are going through the uh, tribulation. Some believe that Christians won't go through it. Some believe in a rapture. Some believe in a half rapture. A lot of different views on how all that stuff kind of... So I want to say this. This is how I see it, and everybody else that doesn't see it this way, they can be wrong. Okay, let me go ahead and just kind of just share did y'all hear that? That was pride. I'm so sorry. I don't want God to resist me. I may not even make it through the message. All right, I'm sorry, God. But So this is how I humbly see it, all right? Can, can I say it that way? But, but I think this will help you. I, I really do. Okay. Where are we right now? In the, in the book, in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, the Holy Spirit was poured out, the church of Jesus Christ was born. Not church of the king by itself. I'm talking about... God's church was born in Acts chapter 2. Watch this. 2,000 years. Over 2,000 years ago. This is where we've been. All right? So we're moving this way. We're moving this way. We're moving in a linear fashion. Pastor Steve, what is the next big event on God's calendar related to his church? All right? As I see it from the scripture, the next, next big event, and I taught through this, Two years ago, six weeks, so you can go download the series. In 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, there's an event in the New Testament called the rapture. Everybody say the rapture. Okay, what is the rapture? It's not the return of Christ. The return of Christ comes after the tribulation, as I see it. The rapture is when Christ comes in the cloud, a trumpet is blown, and Christians, watch this, and Christians are raptured or taken up to meet him in the the air. 
We've entered in heaven for what's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's a seven-year period. At that time, by the way, on the earth, I'm going to talk about this in a moment. Daniel introduces this character to us. The Antichrist is revealed. The, the tribulation begins. It goes for seven years. At the end of seven years, Jesus comes back with his church the return of Christ all the way to earth, sets up his earthly kingdom in Jerusalem, begins a thousand-year millennial reign of Christ, all right? So literally rules in Jerusalem, all right, right here. There's a battle, there's a, a, a thousand years of peace, another battle, a final judgment, and then I taught a number of years ago the book of Revelation, four years ago, John the Revelator on the Isle of Patmos, he sees a new heavens and a new earth, coming down. And Christians live on the new earth forever and ever. All right. Okay. So what does this have to do with the book of Daniel? Every pastor or teacher for that matter, when they teach you, there's two aspects to it. Number one, there's, here's what I want you to know. And then number two, here's what I want you to do. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach some biblical knowledge and truth, but knowledge by itself doesn't do us any good. It's knowledge followed by application. So the question is, first we're going to talk about knowledge, and I'm going to give you some themes. So here's what I had to do, because we'd have been here four months, and I'm, I'm starting a new series next week, four months through Daniel. So I had to take 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12, and I looked at prophetic end-time themes, and I pulled out three and four, and I'm teaching that in the message. If not, we'd have been going on and on. So... I'm going to talk about three or four end time themes in Daniel. Here's what I want you to know. And then I'm going to talk about how that applies to our life today. All right. So number one, the first theme or person character that I see in this story is Daniel talks about the Antichrist. Now in chapter 11 of the book of Daniel, if you have your Bible, you can go there. We're introduced to a human being. By the way, a lot of people get confused about the Antichrist. Again, if you're a new believer, stay with me. I know this is new stuff, all right? But remember, one-third of the Bible, Old and New Testament, is prophecy. So this is so important that we understand this. In chapter 11 of Daniel, we're introduced to a human being commonly known as the Antichrist. Pastor Steve, is the Antichrist the world system or is it a person? The answer is yes. The Antichrist is not the devil. It's a human being filled with the devil. So you have to understand that. But it's also the world system that's anti-Christ. Very important. So Bible scholars and theologians have seen in scripture, this man will appear on the world scene in the last days, just prior to the return of Christ. Described in both the Old and New Testaments, he will be the very incarnation of evil, cleverly disguised as a dynamic, charismatic, visionary leader. He will astound the world, by the way, with solutions to human problems. I'm going to talk about the major problem that he comes on the scene to address. His empire will span every continent. His rule will be the most demonic the world has ever experienced. We know from the book of Revelation, he will have world domination by declaring himself a man of peace. Remember this, when the Antichrist comes on the scene, he doesn't come, you know, when the devil comes on the scene... In anybody's life to try to deceive us, he doesn't come with a pitchfork and go, aha, I'm here to get you. Can't you tell? I'm the devil. No. The problem with deception is you're deceived. Does that make sense? So he comes as a man of peace. Think about that. A man of peace. The Bible says that he oversees the global economy. 
And he forces his followers to get a mark on their head. So here's the thing. There is no buying or selling without the mark of the beast. So in other words, he controls commerce. All right. Now, that's a very interesting component that I just said. You need to just think about that. Now, let's see what Daniel has to say. Remember prophecy. Remember prophecy. It speaks to the immediate context, but then it also speaks to the future to come. All right. There is a dual meaning in Daniel chapter 11. Daniel's seeing something and I'll give you the immediate context and then I'll give you the future to come. Here it is. Daniel chapter 11, verse 36 to 39. The Bible says, then the king shall do according to his own will, and he shall exalt and magnify himself above every God, and shall speak blasphemies against the God of gods, and shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished, for what has been determined shall be done. And he shall regard neither the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall exalt himself above them all. But in their place... He shall honor a God of fortresses and a God which his fathers did not know. And he shall honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and pleasant things. Thus he shall act against the strongest fortresses with a foreign God, which he shall acknowledge and advance its glory. And he shall cause them to rule over many and divide the land for gain. Now, here's the point. In this passage... Daniel is having a vision of future events. Theologians see the king in this passage as a double reference to both a vicious, diabolical ruler named Antichus Epaphanes that actually ruled 100 years before Christ. Interesting, if you understand Jewish history, there was actually a ruler named that, that went into the temple and desecrated the temple. And Daniel sees a dual meaning. He sees not only this individual, but he also sees, this is important, there, do you know there's a difference between an antichrist and the antichrist? It's, it's, it's definite or indefinite. Here's the point. There, are, there have been many, quote, antichrist figures. Did y'all know years ago, the Lutheran church thought that Adolf Hitler in Germany, how do you know if you lived in Germany during World War II, you definitely would have, well, well, Hitler was a type of antichrist, but he wasn't the antichrist. Roman, and the Roman emperor Nero was a antichrist figure, but he wasn't the antichrist. Now, listen to this. Verse 36 shows us that he wins the favor of the world initially. Why does the Antichrist win the favor of the world? I'm going to address that in just a moment. Verse 36 shows that he's ultimately taken down, down by the second coming of the Lord, our graph. Verse 37 says he denies God, that God exists, and he claims to be God. Verse 37 says he's self-centered, arrogant, and self-willed. All right, in the New Testament... The Apostle Paul refers to the Antichrist as the, law, the lawless one. Let me give you one more scripture. I'm going to bring the graph back. Then I'm going to make an analogy to where we are currently. 2 Thessalonians says this. Here's what Paul says. The coming of the lawless one, that's the Antichrist, the coming of the lawless one according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Pastor Steve, why does the Antichrist deceive the world so much? You know, I've been teaching the Bible for 25 years. I've been a Christian for 32 years. And I always thought to myself, what is going to happen on the world stage that would actually grab people so much that they would be open to, an anti, to, to, to the Antichrist? I want you to think about this now. Six months ago, let's rewind for a moment. Would you ever would have imagined in our lifetime 
that within 10 days, the whole globe would be shut down. Just think about that for a moment. In total hysteria. Just think about that. Thinking, my gosh, what are we going to do? Now, again, 1918, 1919, there was a flu that affected the whole world. We know that. And, but they did, we didn't have the technology. Nobody saw that. And in this time, seven months ago, within, within literally in the mid-March, within 12 days, boom. Could you imagine? Just think about this. Could you imagine if a figure stepped forward that had solutions? And can I tell you this? I'm going to add this further. What's going to happen? Can you pull the chart back just for a moment? I'm just telling you, this is so interesting. Just think about, so Pastor Steve, what is the next event on God's calendar with his church? It's the rapture. Can you imagine what's going to happen in the world? And why is the need for the Antichrist to come forward? Remember, he's first deemed as a man of peace. What happens when your neighbor who's a Christian is raptured and they're gone? And you're thinking, my God, where did everybody go? Of course, it'll be spun. Somehow they're going to spin it. It will be spun. Trust me. And all of a sudden, somebody emerges on the scene that has solutions to the human dilemma, the problems in our culture. Does this make sense? And I know for the young Christians, man, you came to an interesting message, but I'm telling you, this is all prophecy. So, Pastor Steve, why is this so important? How do we recognize the Antichrist? We can't recognize it. We can recognize Antichrist figures, but the problem is he comes as a man of peace. I would just say, stay filled with the Holy Spirit. Stay filled with the word of God. Let's keep our eyes looking up to heaven and have me know that's where we're going if we're Christians. Are y'all with me? Okay, number two, number two, Daniel talks about the tribulation and deliverance. Now, another question that people ask me as their pastor the last 20 years, Pastor Steve, do Christians, <clears throat> do Christians go through the tribulation or not? I want to answer it this way. Christians go through tribulation, but I don't believe, my opinion is that we don't go through the great tribulation. Okay, And I know one of the questions and responses that people often have is, well, Pastor Steve, I mean, there's people all over the world that are persecuted for their faith. And we're interpreting this from a Western mindset of basically a non-conflict arena that we live in. And I mean, come on, what about people that have been beheaded for their faith in different nations? And to hear what I would say is there's a difference between the wrath of man and the wrath of God. We have to understand there's a difference. And, 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 and so I believe my personal opinion, my personal opinion is that although we go through persecution and we go through tribulation, Christians will not go through the great tribulation. All right, Daniel chapter 12, verse one. Here's what the Bible says. This is the book of Daniel. It says, at that time, Michael, that's an archangel in the Bible, shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people, everybody say God's people. And at that time, your people shall be delivered. Well, who's delivered? Everyone who is found written in the book. Question, I want everybody to look at me. Is your name written in the book? At that time, they shall be delivered. So there's coming a time, Daniel talks about, there's coming a time on the earth such as never been seen before. Back to my chart real quick. If you can do that, yep. So here it is. There's coming a time such as never been seen. Sure, there's tribulation in different things. You go through a hurricane, communities ripped up. I mean, that's horrible, but that's localized. 
That may not be happening in England, but it may be happening in South Louisiana. It may not be happening here. It's, but this is now a global phenomenon. And the Bible says, but God's people will be delivered. Everybody say delivered. They're going to be delivered. Question is when? I'm going to tell you, in my opinion, we're going to be delivered prior to the great tribulation. The question is, is our name found in that book? Matthew 24, 15. Leave that chart up just for a second. Here's what the Bible says. Well, the scripture first. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. By the way, this is interesting. Halfway through the tribulation, what the Antichrist does, and it's called the abomination of desolation. He abominates the temple of God. Did, 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 by the way, you can Google this. The third temple, the Temple Institute, you can actually Google this. They, they have already plans, the Jewish people, for the construction of the third temple and at some point in time starting sacrifices again. Well, what happens here is the Antichrist goes into the temple and what the problem is is that he walks in there and everybody's watching. Remember, he's a man of peace and this is when the mask comes off. Here it is. All of a sudden, he declares himself to be God. Uh-oh, bad move. You don't stand in the temple and declare yourself to be God. That's called the abomination of desolation. So it enters into extreme three and a half years, the great tribulation. Now, seven years total tribulation, intense three and a half years. Now back to the book of Daniel. Who will the Lord deliver? Those whose names are written in the book. What book? There's a book in the Bible, the Bible's a book, but in the Bible, that book talks about a book. And in that book, it's called the Lamb's Book of Life. Pastor, how do I get in that book? You ever walked up to a restaurant, you and your spouse, and you made reservations, and, or a friend, or whatever, and you made reservations, and you, and you walk up there, and you know, there's people outside, and you go, um, listen, and you kind of work, work your way, you say, listen, uh, we have a reservation for dinner at seven o'clock. And what does that person do? What does the host do? What does the hostess do? What does the maitre d' do? They look to find your name in the what? Say it, the book. And if your name's not there, I'm so sorry. I, your name's, you know, looking for your name in the book. Here's my question. How do you get your name in the book? Does God just selectively, I like you, I don't like, no, no. I think your name gets written when you finally recognize your need for Christ, that you recognize that you're a sinner in need of a savior. When you open your heart to Jesus and realize, just like I did 30 years ago, Christ, Jesus, forgive me of my sin, cleanse me of my sin, wash me. And here's what happened. I recognize my need for God. I put my faith in Christ. That's what we did that are Christ's followers. And we trust Christ as our savior. And when that happens, we're not only washed by the blood of Jesus, we've not only been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, but our name is written in the book. Question, I'm asking everybody, is your name written in the book? Daniel says, those in the book of Daniel, it says, those whose name is written in the book shall be delivered. Yeah. Number one is we see the Antichrist, well, the person and assistant. Number two, we see that, that I do not believe that Christians will go through the great tribulation. We just want to make sure our name's in that book. Number three, interesting, rewards. 
Does the book of Daniel, pastor, talk about rewards? I want to make a couple statements before I teach on this one point here. There's a lot of confusion in the evangelical world because we are so concerned about ever subscribing or ascribing in any way that our salvation is accrued or procured or received based upon us doing any work. Consequently, we have thrown out a biblical truth of rewards from works. I want to go on record saying this. We are saved by grace, by the work of Christ on the cross. So we're not saved by works. Your good works do not get you into heaven. You can't feed the poor to get into heaven. Can't help an old lady across the street to get into heaven. That doesn't get you into heaven. It's nice, but it doesn't get you into heaven. But there's a flip side to this. Once you've received Christ, what you do for Christ in the here and now, the Bible talks about rewards that are given. Why is this important? Daniel chapter 12, verse three. This is in the book of Daniel. It's amazing. Again, I had to just make a decision to kind of put this thing. If not, we'd have been in January going through Daniel still. And the rapture would have come. We'd have missed it. But anyway, here we go. I'm joking. By the way, Jesus could come back at any time. Y'all realize that. Could be 100 years. Could be today. I don't know. I just, all I know is I'm ready. Is anybody ready? I'm just ready. You just got to be ready. I don't set dates. Can't do that. Daniel chapter 3, 12, verse 3. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Wow. Those that are wise, those that turn, those that lead people to Christ, those that make a difference for Christ. We forget about this. We, we, we're so worried about ever suggesting that, that we're saved by works that we throw out works. And yet works are important. Paul the Apostle in 1 Corinthians says, chapter 3 says, The Apostle Paul speaks the importance of our works. For if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. Now heaven is a reward in and of itself. But what you do for Christ in the here and now, listen, there are rewards, eternal rewards that you're given. Those of you that have been to Los Angeles, you may have done the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I don't know if you've ever been there. I remember my first year I preached at the Dream Center uh, for Matthew Barnett. I remember he brought me there and you walk and there's, I think there's like 2,700 you know, plates, you know, they're, they're like, they're in the actual sidewalk. Anybody been there before and seen it? It's, it's pretty amazing when you see it. And you'll see, you know, different Stevie Wonder's name. You'll see Garth Brooks, you know, you see Bob Hope, you know, and, and they're stars. They, they have, they've been a star in the human sense. And it's wonderful. But can I tell you something? I want to be God's star. How about you? I, 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 I want to be God's star. I don't want it just ingrained in a sidewalk. I want it ingrained in the pillars of heaven. And what does that mean? Every mother who's patiently led her child to Christ, she's a star in God's eyes. The office worker who answers faith questions from his or her coworkers. The child who witnesses to their parents. So many kids, that, so many parents that came to this church even because their, their kids brought them. Mom, I want to go there. They're playing in the tubes. Hey, if the tubes can get somebody saved, praise God for the tubes. Are you with me? If at least get you in the house of God, whatever it takes. But it's, 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 it's the coach who models Christ for his team. It's the friend who tells their buddy about Christ. It's the young couple that goes on the foreign mission field and gives their life the call to the call of the gospel. You don't have to be a pastor, a priest, a preacher, a teacher. You don't have to do, you don't have to be the clergy to get a reward. No, 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 no. 
You just have to do what Christ tells you to do. And when we get to heaven, oh man, it's going to be amazing. So what do we not know? What do we know and what we don't know? Let me tell you what we don't know a lot. That was profound, wasn't it? (laughs) Daniel was in the presence of God. And you'll notice what God says to him. Daniel chapter 12, verse 8 and 9 about the end times. Notice this. He says, although I heard, I did not understand. Then I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of all things? And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. In other words, you can spin your wheels. I want everybody to hear me. You can spin your wheels. If you just, we never make the focus of our faith, the end times. We make the focus of our faith, Jesus, and making a difference for Jesus in the here and now. I think it's important for us to understand the end times. But we don't, we don't make that our focus. There's some people, they'll sit around coffee shops, their, hurt, their hair turns green, all they do is read the book of Revelation. I'm serious. They just get weirder and weirder and weirder. I think there's a value to study. I've taught the book of Revelation. I've taught Daniel now twice, 1 Thessalonians, 2nd. I've done charts. But we don't make that. The focus of our faith is Christ and him crucified, being saved, and sharing the love of God with our hurting world. That's the focus. Matthew 24, 36, but of that day, no one knows the hour, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. So as we conclude today's message, and as we conclude the book of Daniel, I got four or five minutes. What do we need to know practically, pastor, from this teaching and from the book of Daniel? Number one, here it is. You guys ready? Here it is. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. There's no debate there. By the way, regardless of where you are in Christendom, Some people believe Christians will go through the tribulation. Some believe they won't. Some believe in a rapture. Some don't believe in a rapture. But all Christians that believe in in the inspiration of Scripture believe that Jesus is coming back. He said over and over, I'm coming back. The issue for us is, are we ready? Could be 100 years. Could be tonight. I don't know. Somebody asked me, Pastor, you know, is this... Is this, you know, the last, is this the generation to see Christ? Is this the end? Uh, And I'll say, it's your end. It's your last generation. (laughs) Are you with me? We got one crack at this thing. To live our life and to fulfill between the date we were born and the date on our tombstone. What did we do in the dash for Christ? What did we do for God? So number one, Jesus is coming back. Number two, times are going to get tougher. Times are going to get, we read the book of Daniel. Daniel thrived in a culture that didn't honor God. I wrote this down. The light is going to get lighter. The dark is going to get darker. I think we're all seeing that in our culture. The people of God historically in scripture, you read the book of Acts when the church was born. You read the, the work of the apostles and the teachings and the church has always been persecuted for their faith. By the way, globally speaking, if you read the 2020 Pew Research Report, Pew, P-E-W, Research Report, Christians globally are still the most persecuted faith. Why is that, Pastor? Historically, they've been. Why are Christians persecuted? In other nations, they are, they're killed for their faith. You read what's happening right now in North Africa. Read what's happening in Nigeria in the north right now as I speak. Christians. Worshiping God, you can be in church like this, come in and killed by militants. As I speak, that's happening in Nigeria. So, so the light's going to get lighter, but the dark's going to get darker. What is our role, Pastor? I'll tell you what our role is. 
Our, our role is to keep standing in faith, keep walking with God, basing our life on the word of God, not on culture. I thank God. Listen, I thank God for the freedoms that I enjoy as American. I thank God for, for, for religious freedoms. But even if they take the religious freedoms away from me, I'm going to submit to Jesus and not the state. Are you with me? And I don't say that arrogantly. And that has nothing to do with the virus the last six months. That has everything to do with our allegiance to Jesus. I, th I think everybody has to understand. I appreciate the freedoms that I enjoy, but, but, but they don't give me those freedoms. Ultimately, we are responsible to God. We're responsible to God. And I'm praying for our nation. I'm praying for our country. I'm praying. But, but, but where I disconnect from our country and I, is I, I stay connected with God. Let me see that Bible real quick. Pastor, thank you so much. And this is important. Pastor Steve, oh gosh. So times are going to get tougher. Let me just, I want everybody to hear what I'm about to say. We've got to base our life on the word of God, not on the whims and the changeableness of culture around us. You guys, how many of y'all were a kid in the 70s? Come on, raise your hand. Come on, Zoom generation. Y'all remember milk? One month milk was good for us, the next milk, milk was bad for us. Y'all remember that? That's where culture is. This is good this month. Just hang on, baby. It's going to be bad next month. It's like ties. They're going to be fat. Just hang on to them. They're coming back around. I thank God that I'm not basing my life and my worldview on culture. Every day they're changing. I'm based, the Bible says heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word, God's word, will never pass away. That's what we got to base our life on. So short times are going to get tougher, but you can thrive in a wicked culture. I, I, listen, you can thrive in a dark place. Business people, people that are in the, in the political realm, people in every area, arts and entertainment. You can make an impact for God. Listen, if every light is taken out, it only stays dark. And that's why God's called us not to survive, but to thrive where he's placed us. Daniel thrived in a pagan culture, and so can you and so can I. That ought to fire you up. All right, third one. Let me be a nice pastor. Number three. That's gross. All right, here we go. Number three. Number, for my personality. Number three. With him, we will overcome. We know who wins. God wins. Jesus wins. Christ wins. Winning in life is being true to God. What he's created us to be, to be in the follower of Jesus Christ. Winning is receiving the crown of life shown to us in the book of Revelation. Winning is living with Jesus for eternity. In light of eternity... Heaven is our home. We're only passing through. God wins. Jesus wins. And in Christ, we win and receive our eternal reward. That's winning in the kingdom. That's winning. All right, here's what we need to do. Come on, we got one minute left. Pastor, here's what I want you to know. Jesus is coming back. Times are going to get tougher, but you're going to thrive. In him we overcome. What do we want? What, what, what do we need you to do? Number one, keep sharing your faith. Keep sharing your faith. Keep sharing. Be ready for Christ's return. Keep planting. Keep giving. Keep sowing. Keep going on trips around wherever it is, wherever we're able to do it. Serving our community. Sharing Christ with your friends and family. Sharing Christ. Why? Because Jesus says, you are the light of the world. I don't know when the end is coming, but I know that this is the generation God has placed me to make a difference in this generation. His disciples looked at him one day and said, is this it? Is this the end? He goes, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons. They're in my Father's heart. Keep sharing. Keep sharing. God will give you power to reach your friends, power to reach your neighbors, power to reach your family. Let me tell you, God is giving you the power of the Holy Spirit to make a difference for Christ in the generation that he's placed you. Daniel made a difference, and so can you.
Number two, keep standing in faith. Keep standing. Ephesians chapter six, keep sharing, keep standing. Listen, my standing in faith is not my strength. It's not my willpower. It's not my, even my posture. It's I'm standing on someone and something that doesn't change. It's my foundation. Every year as a boy in Metairie, every year if you're from Metairie and all of our folks from Metairie, anybody lived on the South Shore, raise your hand, anybody? You know what you did in the spring? You got a load of dirt. Isn't that right? I made so much money, I would do all my family. I, matter of fact, Nancy Munns in our church, I used to do hers as a young boy. And, and, and why? Because the, 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 the foundations, the thing would be eroding, you have to build in, you have to do that. I thank God that, let me tell you, although culture may be eroding, we're standing on the word of God. We're standing on something strong. This piling doesn't sink. Ephesians chapter six, here's what it says. He says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. We're putting on the armor of God. And we're standing. We're being able to stand. Everybody say stand. So we're sharing and we're standing. And let me give you the third thing is we're going to keep serving. That's what Daniel did. He shared, he stood, and he served. Mark chapter 10, Jesus says, the greatest is the servant of all. Business people. People in culture, people in academic areas, those that are sports, arts, entertainment, just be a servant. Daniel, listen, Daniel served his way into greatness. He served his way. I mean, he was in the Babylonian kingdom, whoom, God put him on top. He was in the Persian kingdom, whoom, God anointed him. Why? Because he served. He used his gifts and his talents and the abilities that God gave him. He wasn't arrogant. He wasn't prideful about it. But he used all of that skill set, that holy, that, that, that holy skill set that God gave him, those gifts that God has given him, and he made a difference for God. And I want to say this in conclusion. Keep sharing. Keep standing. And keep serving. And you too, listen, you too can be a Daniel in your generation. Come on. How many of y'all received that word? Y'all received that word? I want everybody to look at me. I've got one question for you as we leave. One question. Here it is before we leave. My question is, is your name in that book? Is your name in that book? I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. Everyone. You know, the Bible talks about our names being written down in the Lamb's Book of Life when we trust Christ as our Savior. My question is, are you at peace with God? Do you know that you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? We can't save ourselves. We can't change ourselves, but we trust Christ. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believeth. It's our belief. That's our receiving Christ, surrendering to Christ. Whosoever shall believeth on him shall be saved. Lord Jesus, thank you that you save people, that you heal people, that you forgive people. Restore people in their soul. Are you at peace with God? Have you ever come to a point where you've actually admitted your need for God? With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed at all of our campuses and those that are joining us online, whatever platform you're on right now, I sense the Holy Spirit talking to you right now. 
Are you at peace with God? Do you know that you know if you die today that you're ready to stand before God? At the count of three, in just a moment, I'm gonna ask for a show of hands. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not at peace with God. I need the blood of Jesus to wash me, to cleanse me. I wanna surrender my heart to Christ. If that's you, one, two, three. Quickly, hold your hand up high so I can see it. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. God bless you, honey, right there. Anybody else? Pastor Steve, pray for me. God bless you, ladies up front. God bless you, sir, right there. God bless you, sir. God brought you here today, sir. God brought you, dear. Who else? Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. God, God bless you, sir. Yes. God bless you, hunt right there. And you, sir, as well. Let's pray, church. Let's pray with those that are trusting Christ. This is the most important prayer they could ever pray. Church family, let's pray with them right now. Come on, let's do that. Say, dear Jesus. Come on, everyone. Dear Jesus, I come to you today. A sinner in need of a savior. Say, Jesus, I let go of my past and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. I want everybody to look at me at all of our campuses. Those that are online, please let your online host know that you made a decision for Christ. And all those at all of our campuses, there's a card behind our chair, behind your chair called Decision. I'm going to ask you to fill it out. And here's how easy this is. On the way out, now that we have the buckets at all the doors up and down, on the way out, uh, you can just simply drop that in there. Just drop my decision in there. Why? We want to send you a letter this week or email, whatever information, talking about what it means to be a daily follower of Jesus. By the way, as well, our guest cards, if you're a guest and you fill one out, you simply put those in the bucket and those, of course, uh, they're tithes and offerings. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand. I hope that message, y'all enjoyed that. How many of y'all were encouraged by that message today? (laughs) Keep sharing, keep standing, keep serving to make a difference in any culture that you may find yourself in. Father, bless your people as they go forth this day. I thank you, Lord, for your love for us, your goodness towards us. Lord, I thank you for your hand, your hand upon us the anointing of your spirit upon us. Lord, I thank you. I declare over every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, I declare the favor of God. The Bible says in Psalms 5, verse 12, it says, may the favor of almighty God surround your life this day like a shield in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, can we give the Lord a hand clap? Can we do that? Our altar's open for anybody that needs prayer. Please feel free to come. God bless you. We'll see you next week. What another incredible message. You know, Missy, it really was. And you know what I love? is how each week we get to come together as a family, worship, be challenged, be encouraged with a great message that can really help us take us in to the week. That's right. And if you're new here, we'd love to know so you can join us at our next steps. So please text CONNECT to 822-822 for more information. And if you're not new, we'd still love to hear from you. So take a moment and you can email us online at churchoftheking.com. Or if you need anything else, just give us a call, 985-727-7017. We're here for you. We want to be able to pray with you and help you on your journey. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week at Church Online.